It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Hi everyone, my name is Nicholas Gonzalez and I'm the associate pastor here at St. Andrew. And I'm so thankful that you're joining us in our Sunday Word and Song. Uh, where you have an opportunity to hear some scripture, a sermon, sing along with us and continue in prayer. Uh, we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online Word and Song. And if you'd like to join us in person, you can do so by joining us for any of our four worship services. Sunday mornings at 8 and 9.30 for traditional worship, 11 o'clock contemporary service, or Monday night at 7 p.m. If you are continuing to join us online, go on to our website, mystandrew.org, to find out about all the ministry that happens here at St. Andrew by God's grace through all of you. With that being said, I'm so thankful that you're joining us today, and I pray a blessing on the rest of your day. Our second lesson this morning, which is also the basis for Pastor Mark's message, comes from the New Testament book of James, the first chapter, and is read to us this morning by Mary Beth Beatty. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. My worship folder and my left arm are drenched. <laughs> and I am happy and thankful. And uh, also, uh, for those of you who were here last Sunday, you know, how about Pastor Nick singing in Spanish? What about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a blessing in more ways than uh, one, but uh, just wait till you hear me sing it in Slovak. You will appreciate him even more when that happens. Uh, also, uh, those of you who were here last Sunday might recall that uh, Pastor Nick uh, began his uh, sermon on the topic of trust by taking us back to the year 2017 to his seminary internship uh, and to the experience of trust that uh, he had with his supervising pastor uh, when the two of them would go off to a makeshift workout room in the church that he was serving uh, in that internship and they would uh, lift weights together and spot each other and uh, talk about things like uh, life and ministry together. And uh, so that inspired me to begin my sermon today by taking you back to my seminary internship, although for me the year was 1983. Uh, a full decade before Nick was even born, uh, when I had a slightly different experience uh, with my own supervising pastor and the two of, of us would sneak out of the main church office from time to time uh, on a weekday afternoon and would go to the other end of the building and into this little Sunday school office that was typically vacant of people at that time of day. And there uh, we would open a jar uh, full of lollipops and would each take out a lollipop and. Uh, 
uh, because this office had a bank of windows that looked out uh, over the hallway about chest high, uh, we would sit down on the floor right under the windows so that we wouldn't be interrupted. And, and that's where we would talk about uh, faith and life in ways that uh, figured significantly into my own pastoral formation. And so if you can imagine Nick and his guy, you know, lifting weights together, you can probably imagine me and my guy, you know, sucking on lollipops sitting on the floor talking to each other. And, and that brings me uh, to uh, today's uh, bodybuilding exercise, which is to say building up the body of Christ, which is to say building up the church into a strong and healthy spiritual community fed by the sweetness of God's grace. And that topic today is the subject of safe places. Uh, which can certainly include uh, physical places, you know, like that Sunday school office, like that workout room, like any place where you might happen to go uh, in your life uh, to retreat, where you can just be yourself in an atmosphere of acceptance and of uh, support. When I was growing up, uh, I remember that uh, one of my primary safe places was my grandparents' house. And maybe you felt that way too, because you know, at your grandparents' house, you know, you get you just got loved. I mean, you you got the grace, and in some ways, it was better than your own house, uh, because nobody was you know getting on you about finishing your homework or how late you got in last night, like like your parents did. In fact, I remember having a conversation several years ago with my older brother uh, when he and his wife were looking for a church to join, and I distinctly remember how he said to me, you know. I want to walk into church and I want it to feel like grandma's house. Not that he wasn't interested in uh, discipline or guidance for his life, but because he wanted it in that atmosphere of, of acceptance and community and, and family. And so uh, that is to say that safe places aren't just physical places, although they can be, but they are also, in fact, they are primarily safe relationships. And, and safe relationships or safe places in your life really do include trusting relationships, which we heard a lot about last Sunday, which take uh, some time to build up and not very much time at all to destroy, uh, which also reminds me of a, a woman who was a, a member of the congregation in which I grew up, who I will call Elaine, and was a wonderful person in many ways, but uh, back in those pre-cell phone, pre-email days when none of that stuff existed, you know, the joke at the church was, if you wanted everybody in the congregation to know something, just tell Elaine and beg her to keep it a secret. You know, and then everybody would know by the end of the day, uh, which was a joke, but on the other hand, it is something that weakens the body of Christ. It tears down uh, relationships. And so safe places do include trusting and trustworthy relationships, but they also include some other things, like the things that James speaks about in the passage that you just heard, which is part of a wider, larger letter that he wrote uh, to uh, new Christians, most of whom who had come to faith out of Judaism and came to live this new life, believing that Jesus is their promised Messiah. And these are people who you know, had just grown up in a, a religious world that was driven by right and wrong and do's and don'ts and religious laws and the judgment that goes with all of that stuff. And so James writes this letter to them and he gives them what 
amounts to being this practical guide for living life as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Jesus. Not just with respect to laws and right and wrong and do's and don'ts, but with respect to their relationships with each other and their relationship for the rest of the world. For example, James talks about safe places as places where people like you and me are quick to listen and slow to speak. And uh, that can be kind of challenging because, uh, quite frankly, so often my idea of listening is just, you know, waiting for my turn to speak and sometimes not even waiting for my turn uh, because we, we jump in or we cut off. But listening, real listening, isn't just waiting for your turn to speak. Real listening isn't just uh, formulating your response in a debate or discussion or an argument so that you can get the upper hand, so that you can prove yourself to be uh, right above all the rest. I have gone down that road many, many times. But real listening is reflecting what that other person is saying, what they are bringing to you in a way that enables them to be genuinely and truly heard and accepted and have their feelings, whatever they happen to be, validated by you, even if you happen not to agree with the very thing they are saying to you. Why? Because when people feel heard, then they feel connected. When they feel connected, then they feel safe. And when I feel safe, then I am far more open to be honest, to be transparent, to be authentic, to be vulnerable, and even uh, to be more open about my struggles and open to hear things that I may not even want to hear, but that I need to hear for the sake of my strength my growth, my renewal, and my walk with God. And so uh, Bruce Hartung in his book on building up the body of Christ says at one point, I am much more receptive to the feedback of others when I truly believe that the one who is offering it has my best interests or my welfare at heart. And nowhere do I think that's more true than in the pages of the Gospels in conversations that Jesus had with all kinds of people, like Nicodemus, you know, the guy who was an expert in religion, in the rights and the wrongs and the do's and the don'ts and the laws of faith, and yet in spite of his credentials, he still doesn't really get Jesus, and he's struggling with his faith, and so he finds Jesus under the cover of darkness at night, and he just pours it out to him, and Jesus listens to him and hears his cry and then says to him, in effect, yeah, you're right, you, you know, you don't get it. But here it is. Your life is about the fact that God loves you. And he so loves the world that he gave his only son for you. Not because you always got it right. Not because you obeyed every single law. But because you're God's work of art. And he loves what he has made. And then there's this other conversation that he has, you know, with that woman uh, around a well not far from a village in Samaria. And at one point in their conversation, this woman says to, to Jesus, as you might recall, you know, I don't have a husband. 
And uh, he says to her, yeah, I, I know, you know, you've had five husbands, the guy you're with is not your husband. But that is after Jesus, with the backdrop of that well, offered that woman what we know to be the living water of grace, in spite of her past, in spite of her present, in spite of everything, so that she would be transformed by that living water. There's the conversation with Jesus and Doubting Thomas after the resurrection. There's that conversation with Jesus and the, and the sinful woman and in the courts of the temple in, in Jerusalem. And in every case, you know, he, he, listen, he hears the cries of our hearts, the failures, the struggles, all the times when we didn't get it right. And he responds with the words that they need to hear about renewal and grace and forgiveness and life in their walk with God. So that like my friend Bruce, I too am much more receptive to feedback when I really believe that the person offering it to me has my best interests, my welfare in their heart. Another thing that uh, James talks about in his letter to these uh, new young Christians is the importance of being slow to anger. So be quick to listen, be slow to anger. And that can also be uh, you know, a challenge uh, to all of us from time to time at least. Uh, in fact, Bruce Hartung, in his book on building up the body of Christ, believe it or not, dedicates an entire chapter to the activity of the human brain of all things, which includes this thing called the R-complex, which he describes as the uh, acting without thinking part of your brain. And it kicks in uh, when you feel defensive or you feel like you are uh, under attack because of something that somebody did or maybe something that they said to you which is just so antithetical and, and, and uh, in opposition to everything you think and believe in your life. And your, your R complex begins to release these chemicals that uh, can certainly uh, serve a, a function of survival and defense in other situations, but they also take things like empathy and sympathy and the thoughtful exchange of opinions and ideas and the healthy processing of emotions and just throws all that stuff right out the window. So that our behavior is nothing but instinctive. As Bruce would say in his book, it's automatic. And I would also say it can be unsafe for our relationships with each other, which is why they tell us to stop and count to 10. I think it's a lot more than 10, personally. <laughs> you know, or to go ahead and, you know, write the email that you want to send, but do not hit send until your R complex begins to settle down. And I don't think James knew anything about all this brain stuff that Bruce writes about in his book, but he was spot on when he calls the church in its bodybuilding to be slow to anger because it's counter to God's righteousness, because it tears down relationships, it weakens the body of Christ. And how do I know this? I know it because I have blown it a thousand times in my relationships. 
when I thought that listening was nothing more than waiting for my turn to speak, or when I didn't wait for my R, R complex to settle down and instead acted without thinking. And I also know that I'm not alone in this. Why? Because I see it all the time. I mean, it's all around me. And I, and I know full well that not everybody in my world is going to provide a safe place for me or for you. In fact, uh, just this last Monday night, I was in a meeting uh, in which none other than Bruce Hartung was also uh, present. And, and at one point in the conversation, I uh, mentioned that when uh, I was serving as a hospital chaplain, very early in my ministry, also before Nick was born, <laughs> that I had patients in the hospital who would share with me their greatest fears, their biggest failures, their deepest, darkest secrets, and then they would tell me that they would never share those things with their own pastor because that didn't represent a safe place for them, but they shared those things with me. Why? Because I'm such a swell guy. <laughs> no. It was because I was the hospital chaplain. And when they got out of the hospital, they were never going to see me again. Which is why we use people like therapists and counselors and spiritual directors and folks like that. And yet I decided in that experience that I didn't want to be that kind of pastor. So that when somebody did come, you know, struggling with their choices, struggling with their relationships, with their marriage, with their fidelity, with their depression, with their sexuality, with their abortion, with those moments when they didn't always get it right, when they broke the law, when they didn't know what to do next, that, that somehow by the grace of God I would muster up the spiritual uh, courage just to listen to them, to hear them out, to validate their feelings, whatever they were, whatever their failures, whatever their heartaches and struggles happened to be, and then following the leadership of Jesus and the advice of his brother James would then, by the grace of God, encourage a safe enough place that I could speak the words that they need to hear about forgiveness and grace and transformation and change and renewal and life as we walk with God through this broken world. And I hope that's your prayer because every person who has been baptized into the body of Christ has been called to this body building for the health and the strength and the growth of that body into a vibrant, healthy, authentic spiritual community in our relationships with each other and with all those who have yet to come our way. And so I, I would just put the questions in front of you today and invite you to ask yourself, you know, am I really listening or am I just waiting for my turn to speak? Uh, am I really slow to anger or do I act without thinking? And how can I make my life a safe place? How can I make this house, 
with all of its rooms, wherever they are, a sanctuary, a place of refuge and of safety where we can grow, where we can be transformed and built up as sisters and brothers in the body of Christ for the hope of the world. Next week, our preacher is going to finally be Dr. Bruce Hartung. Uh, who will lead us through one more bodybuilding exercise, uh, after which we will bring a close to this uh, six-week-long series by celebrating the most important part of all on Reformation Weekend. But before we get there, and until we do, uh, I want to close by saying one more thing to you, and, and that is that if you do not always get this right, if the people around you do not always get this right. If the body of Christ, of which you are a part, does not always get this right, then you should know that Jesus always gets it right, that you can go to him, you can cry out to him, that he will always be there for you, and he always is there for you. He has a plan for you. He has meaning for your life. He has purpose for your life, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you hope and a future because you're God's work of art. And whoever you are, he loves what he has made so that together we might live and grow up and give him honor and glory and be an authentic, healthy body of Christ together until we are all safe and secure in the arms of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
As we close, I'd love to lead you in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. On behalf of the Reverend Dr. Mark Rickle and myself, we are so thankful that you joined us today. And we invite you to continue in joining us in our weekly Sunday Word and Song. Blessings.